thanks for watching. Before we get started, I want to remind you that if there is anything that you need prayer for, please don't hesitate to give us a call, send us an email, or submit a request online. We'd love to stand with you in prayer. Today, we will be finishing up the series Spiritual Worship with God's Desires. A lot of people feel like they have to get it right. They have to stop drinking, stop swearing, stop living a sinful life before they can surrender to God. But God wants you as you are, sins and all. When you come to God and surrender your heart to Him, He will change your desire for drinking or drugs or whatever you feel you're not worthy of to a desire that will please Him. You can't do it on your own. God wants to and will help you get it right. Let's take a look at what Pastor Dwayne has to say. We're going to jump back in at Romans chapter 12 in verse 1. It says, I appeal to you therefore, brethren, and beg you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Now he's talking here about surrender to God. And he talked specifically, he said, your whole body. Well, Jesus talked about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. What he's saying is dedicating yourself to God, surrendering to the Lord. And then in the, 12th, excuse me, in the second verse, he tells us how to do that by the renewing of our minds. But we need to be surrendered. We need to be soft. We need to be pliable. In Psalms 37... In verse 3, it says, trust in the Lord, do good. Dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourselves also in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. He'll bring it to pass. So this really is talking about basically the same thing. It's saying to delight yourself in the Lord. And the Greek word there really means, excuse me, Hebrew, really means to be soft and pliable. Now, when we think delight yourself, Lord, he's going to give you desires of your heart. We think car, house, new clothes, vacation. But really what it's talking about is God putting a desire inside you, changing your desires. When you are surrendered to God, committed, when you're pliable, where, you got, where your heart is soft, towards the Lord, God literally, he speaks to you and puts things into your heart. And you realize, very often don't even realize that it's God that's doing it. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For God himself is at work in you, inspiring you to want what pleases him and to work for them. In other words, God puts a desire in your heart to do something. You know, in, in, in so often in church, people have this idea. Do the opposite of what you want to do, and you're going to be in the will of God. You know, whatever you want to do, don't do that, but do the opposite, and that's what God wants you to do. Well, if you're in the flesh, if your, your, your flesh is ruling your life, that's true. But what happens when we surrender to God, when we become a Christian, and the life and the nature of God, the Spirit of God's living on the inside of us, God puts things in our hearts. Um, for, for seven years, Jeannie and I lived in Mexico, and for two of those years, we lived in an Indian village. And while we were, were there, I mostly was planning churches, doing evangelistic meetings, and uh, working with a particular native pastor named Benancio Hernandez. He was my mentor. Uh, Benancio was like 
five, four foot ten, maybe, 240 pounds of just solid little guy. Second grade education, had started well over 100 churches. And uh, so I was working with him, and he was really, really teaching me. And we were, we were loving it. In fact, we, we were going to stay there. Our plan was we were going to be there forever. Right? I thought, this is, this is awesome. In fact, I used to think, you know, if more pastors were abiding in Christ, few would be abiding in the United States. They'd be in Mexico with us. They'd be doing evangelism. They'd be starting churches. Instead, they'd just stay in the United States and preach, preach to the same bunch of dumb people every week. I mean, that was my attitude. It really was. It stunk, but that's what I thought. All right? And so, so uh, I, I, I know some of you have heard this before, but we're at a missions conference in, in St. Louis, and, and literally, I have a visitation from the Lord. And he says, you're going to leave Mexico, going back to Grand Rapids, you're going to pastor a church, do this, do this, do this, and do this. And, and instantly, it was like something inside changed. My desires changed. Right? I used to think the, the failure was to pastor a church in America. That's what I thought failure was. But if you were like God's Navy SEALs, you were on the mission field. You know? And we're the Navy SEALs. We're out there on the front lines stomping the devil. You know, wimpy pastors in America. <laughs> That's what I thought. I really did. Right? And so that was like, I will never do that. Never. Right? But I mean, just like that, my every desire inside me changed. I mean, I, I was like, man, we, we, we're, we're going to we're gonna do something different. Well, I remember telling Jeannie that it was time to leave, right? And she said to me, she said, that's not God. She said, you're just sick of eating strange things and sleeping on dirt floors and, you know, riding mules out into the mountains. And, and uh, she says, you know, it's not time, time to leave. We, our work here, we've got we've to finish our work here. And I said to Jeannie, I said, just pray. Yeah, just pray and ask the Lord. Now, we're living in this Indian village, and, and at the time, our, our oldest son, Joshua, is two years old, about two, and he's a blonde-haired kid, right? big blue eyes, and almost nobody in the village had ever seen anybody with blue eyes. Okay? So every place that we, she took him, people were like, can he see? <laughs> and she'd say, well, yeah, and they'd say, does he see blue? <laughs> you know, and... and uh, She'd say, well, do you see brown? And they go, oh, you know. And everybody wanted to touch him, you know. And uh, every place that we, we took him, all the kids would bring their toys and put them in front of him and just watch him play. And he's give me a spoiled little brat, you know. <laughs> but, but, but she prays, right, and she's like, we are supposed to stay here. This is the will of God. We're going to be here, you know. And she prays, and I'm out in a village for a couple of days preaching, and when I get back, she meets me at the door. And, and she says to me, she says, you know, she says, uh, have you ever noticed our village? And uh, we've been living there for two years. We love it. All right? And she begins to tell me everything that's wrong with our village. Now, we live right outside the main downtown type center. It was a bridge. And once you cross the bridge, there were all houses. So what people would do, there, was, there were no public restrooms in the main area. And so what people would do, they would go right in front of our house and defecate, like 30, 40 people every day, right? And she said to me, have you ever noticed that? 
And I thought, I've been living here for two years, of course I've noticed that. Right? But she never noticed that. It never bothered her before. Right? And then she began talking about something else and about something else and about something else and about something else. And she says, I want to leave. And I said, okay, you know, three, four months. And she said, no, I mean tonight. <laughs> now, what God did was take her grace away. You know, when you're in the middle of the will of God, God puts a grace inside you. You love doing what you're doing. You might look at a missionary and think, oh, those poor people. They look at you and you think, you're nuts. You think, those poor people in America. I mean, we're living, we're living the life. We're right in the middle of the will of God. When you are in God's will, there is this grace that's on you. It says that God himself is at work in you. He is inspiring you to want what pleases him. So this idea that people have that, well, if you want to be in the will of God, do the exact opposite of what you want to do. That's not true if you're following God. If you're pliable, right? if you're committed to the Lord, he's working inside you. He's inspiring you to want what pleases him. Jeremiah 10, verse 23. Oh, Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man, to, man who walks to direct his own steps. God will put the desire on the inside of you. And it's something literally you cannot accomplish in your own strength. It's bigger than you are. Right? We need God's way and we need God's timing. Moses was called of God to be a deliverer, but he tried to do it 30 years too soon. Right? He tried to deliver Israel in his own strength, killed an Egyptian, had to run and run out in the desert and hide for 40 years. David wanted to do the will of God. He becomes king. He wants to bring the ark to Jerusalem. So he consults all the people and the leaders and they say yeah let's bring the ark to Jerusalem so they put it on a cart and they're bringing it up to Jerusalem and when the oxen stumble you know the story Uzzah reaches out and he touches the ark and when he does he dies he strikes him God strikes him dead and the Bible says David's afraid of God that day and he said how can I bring the ark to Jerusalem well three months later he's doing it again but this time the Bible says that he had Levites carrying the ark on poles. And he said that's the way God, the, God said the only way to carry the ark was for the Levites to carry it on poles. When he did God's will God's way, it worked. When he tried to do God's will, bringing the ark to Jerusalem, but doing it his way, it didn't work. So we really need to find out what is God's way, what's God's heart. And, of course, you, 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 you encounter that through prayer and through meditation in God's word. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your heart, out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Now, in Ephesians 2, in verse 8, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Now, when you come to the Lord, you receive Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you become a brand new creature, a brand new person on the inside. God gives you this new heart, new desires, and it's by grace. In other words, you don't deserve it. You didn't work for it. And it's through faith you believe that God has done it for you. Right? And that's how you get saved. You're saved by grace through faith. It's not of works 
It's not, God didn't save you because of how good you were. You know, I've had people say, well, I'm, I'm trying to get rid of this in my life and this in my life, and then I'm going to come to God once I get straightened out. Listen, God cleans his own fish. You don't clean yourself and then come to God. No, he cleans you up once he gets you. And he does not save you because of how good you are, because of how smart you are, because of how intelligent you are, because of how good looking you are, because of how rich you are, because of how good you are. He saves you in spite of you. It's by grace. Nothing you deserve, nothing that you earn. And we know that's how we come to God, by grace, through faith. But here's what often happens. We become a Christian, and what we do is we fall back into works. You've probably heard somebody say this. Well, have a new believer. I've heard people say this so many times. Have a new believer pray for you because they get, they're in a honeymoon season, and they get everything they ask for. How many of you heard something like that before? Right? Well, here's the truth. Right? The truth is there is no such thing as a honeymoon season. But here's what it is. They understand God did not save them because of how good they are. And God's not going to answer their prayers because of how good they are. They come and they receive by grace through faith. But the temptation is once you've been saved for a while, you go to God and say, God, look how good I am. God, I go to church. I read my Bible. I pray. I give to the church. I'm an usher. I'm a greeter. I'm working in children's church. I've changed dirty diapers. God, have you noticed how many diapers I've changed? And we go to God not based on grace, but based on works, right? And once you go to God based on works, you know what you receive? You fall away from grace. You're not receiving by grace. And the Bible says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk or live in him. The same way that you get saved, which is by grace, through faith, not because you're smart, not because of how good you are, not because of sacrifices that you made. If you come to God based on your works, you're never going to receive. Right? We have to, whether you've been saved three minutes or 130 years, everything is by grace through faith. It's unmerited favor, right? And we think new believers have this special time of honeymoon with God, and they just receive. Pointing out your sins wouldn't have stopped you from receiving salvation because you understand that Jesus didn't save you because of how few sins you had or how good you were. He saved you in spite of all your sins. And so salvation, we understand, is received by grace. But the problem is, after you've been saved for a while, you tend to think that the other things you're going to receive from God, you receive based on your performance, right? Your good works. And nothing could be further from the truth, right? God expresses his love more to us once we're saved than even before. Romans 5 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. God didn't save you because of how good you were. He saved you in spite of how bad you were. And the Bible says much more now. 
having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Much more now that we're right with God, now that we've received the salvation that he has for us, he wants to bless us. Now, the church in, in uh, the Galatians, they fell back into this in Galatians 3 and 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Now, Paul is going to talk to them and he says, look, do you receive stuff from God by grace through faith or is it because of your works? He says that those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Galatians 3, 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He's saying, is it because of your good behavior, because you're obeying a whole bunch of rules that you received, or was it by grace through faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Having begun to receive everything by grace, is it now going to be by works? Is it now going to be because how good you are, because of the sacrifices that you made? Absolutely not. See, so many people believe they're going to be blessed based on performance. And what happens when that's true, your spiritual life just goes like this. It's up and it's down and it's up and it's down and it's up and it's down. Now, there is a huge difference between Old Testament and New Testament. Most people believe the only difference between Old Testament and New Testament is a blank page in their Bible. Right? But, but literally, everything changes with the New Covenant. But let's go back to the Old. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2. This is the blessing of Abraham and the curse of the law. Now, it shall come to pass, if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So here he's saying, if you want the blessing, you've got to be obedient. You've got to obey all of the commandments. Now, James makes it very clear that if you break one commandment, you've broken them all. You may have heard me use this illustration, but right across the street, when I, was, when I was growing up, I grew up here in Granville, right across the street, Jeff Blake lived. And I don't know what crazy thing got into us. You know, we were like 12 years old. I mean, you know, 12-year-old boys, their frontal lobe is not developed yet. And they just do crazy stuff. They don't, they, they, so, so we're throwing big marbles at the side of the house. Stupid. Well, I, how do you miss the side of the house? I don't know, but I did, and I got the corner of a pitcher window. Now, it was just the corner, and it was just a little hole. But Mr. Blake said he needed a whole new window. And it cost me every dime I had. All right? And that's what the law is like. You say, but I just broke that little part. Well, it doesn't matter. If you broke any part, you broke all. It's like a picture window. You just broke a little corner, doesn't matter. The whole thing's broke. Right? So Romans 10, verse 4. Now Christ is the end of the law for righteousness or right standing with God to everyone who believes. 
Christ is the end of the law. He's the end of being right with God because of how good you are. Because I did this and I didn't do that. Christ is the end of that. Romans 3.20 Therefore, by the deeds of the law, or by obeying the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. I know a lot of people think God gave us the law so that we would know how to behave. Well, that's really not the truth. He gave us the law so we'd know how messed up we were. He gave us the law so that we would realize we're sinners. Paul said, I wouldn't have known I was sinning except the law said, don't do it. And that's how I found out. God really did not give the law so that you would obey rules and be right with him. He gave you the law so you'd know I'm messed up. I need help. By the deeds of the law, by obeying the rules in the Old Testament, listen, no flesh, no person will be justified in his sight. There is not one person in all of history who will be able to stand before God and say, God, I obeyed all the rules. I'm right with you. How many? None. Not Mother Teresa. Not Billy Graham. Not the Virgin Mary. How many? Zero. 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 All right. Romans 3.28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of of the law. So you're made right with God, not by your behavior, but by grace through faith. And again, if you are looking at your behavior, you will always, always have this up and down thing. The devil, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. He will always show up and tell you where you're missing it. You're not worthy. And you just need to agree. That's right. I'm not. That's why Jesus came. That's why he came. Colossians 2 and verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You receive him not because of how good you are, but you receive him by grace through faith. And so walk or so live your Christian life. It doesn't depend on your performance. It depends on Jesus' performance. When somebody comes to the altar for salvation, they don't believe God's going to save them because of how good they've been, because of their performance, right? In the same way, when somebody comes to God and they're in need of deliverance or peace or joy or healing, God does not do it based on our performance. He does it based on grace through faith. It's the exact same way we receive everything from the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, and and I've got the the Living Bible here. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person on the inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. I remember years ago, I think I preached a 20-part series on this, and a lady in church came up and said, if you read 2 Corinthians 5, 17, one more time, I'm on a screen. So I figured maybe she's starting to get it. You become new on the inside. Now listen, all these things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. And God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting or holding men's sins against them, but blotting them out. 
God is no longer holding men's sins against them, but is blotting them out. Now, in the Old Testament, before Jesus paid for sin, sin kept people away from God. Right? Really, it says that God was angry at people. Why? Because they sinned. But Jesus came, and Jesus paid for that sin. And now God is no longer counting men's sins against them. He's blotted them out. This is the wonderful message he's given us to tell others. I remember years ago we had a, a group of young people that went down on division and they were passing out some tracks down at Streetlight, the, the street ministry we had begun down there. And uh, somebody came by. They were, they were outside a, a basically a, a homosexual bar. And some Christians came by and they were yelling, Turn or burn! And they used some other inappropriate language and said, you're going to hell. Now, the gospel is good news. Good news. By the way, and I mean, going to hell is not good news. Good news is you don't have to go. Good news is your sin has been paid for. Good news is your sins are blotted out. And all you need to do is receive by faith what God purchased for you because of his great grace. It says that we're ambassadors for, God, for Christ. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as though Christ were here pleading with you. Receive the love he offers you. Be reconciled to God. Now, verse 21. For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him all our sins. At the cross, God took all your sins. Past, present, future. And poured them into Christ. You say, are you sure the future ones? I better be. Because when he did it 2,000 years ago, all your sins were future. Right? So past, present, future. He took all your sins and he poured them into Christ, the sinless Christ. And then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. Or God's righteousness, right standing with God into us. So you don't receive from God based on your behavior. You receive from God based on Jesus' behavior, what he did for us. God's not holding men's sins against them. Old Testament, yes, they weren't paid for. But now they've been paid for. Right? So Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it's written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. So Jesus at the cross he redeemed you from the curse of the law. The curse of the law was what would happen if you did not obey all of the commandments. And there's not 10, right? There's actually 613 of them. Right? Cover about anything you can think of. And if you didn't obey all of them, there was a curse that would come on you. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 28, basically verses 16 or 17, clear through the end of the chapter, and there's 60-some verses. A lot of verses of curses. And basically it amounts to this. All lack, failure, poverty, confusion, depression, sickness, hopelessness, disease, all of it is part of the curse of the law. Now Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law. Because it's written, curses everyone that hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on Gentiles, that's non-Jews, in Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit 
through faith. Now, he did it that the blessing might come on you. Let me read you the blessing. You'll be blessed in the city and you'll be blessed in the country. Blessed will be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your flocks, the offspring of your flocks. You'll be blessed in your basket and in your kneading bowl. That's kind of like your retirement fund and your bank account. Right? You'll be blessed when you come in. You'll be blessed when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise up against you to be defeated before your face. And they'll come against you in one direction. They'll flee before you in seven directions. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses. And in all which you put your hand. And he will bless you in the land where the Lord of God is giving you. Right? Verse 11. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, and in the land which the Lord your God swore to give to your fathers. Plenty of goods in the fruit of your body. I'm claiming that for my kids. Plenty of children. We've got 19 grandkids. I think I'll go for 30. (laughs) Verse 13. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. That's the blessing. That's the blessing. The curse is all the bad. The blessing's got all the good. And Christ redeemed you from the curse that the blessing might come on you. Not because of how good you are. And anytime you come to God based on your behavior, you're going to be missing it. Romans 8, 4. That the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Jesus paid all of it for us. And we're right, not because of our behavior, but because of his. If you be Christ, Galatians 3.20, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Our sin's gone, paid for, once for all. The curse is broken. Jesus broke it. He paid so that that curse, you would be redeemed from it, bought back, that the blessing of Abraham might come on you. How does it happen? As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You received him by grace through faith, not based on your performance. And everything we receive from God, we receive the same way. So we walk in him by grace through faith. You know, if you're watching today and in your heart, you know I'm not right with God, but there is a hunger to be right with God. There's a hunger to be forgiven. Would you bow your head right now and pray this prayer with me from your heart? Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And today I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I turn my back on my old life. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm living for Jesus every day. I thank you you've heard my prayer, that I'm forgiven, that my past is gone, that I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you just prayed that prayer, you are right with God. You're on your way to heaven. And we want to help you keep on growing. And I've written a book I want to give to you absolutely free of charge. You can download a digital copy or get a hold of us. We will send you a hard copy. And this will help you because it's just full of bullet points to help you keep on growing spiritually. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. How awesome. We could not be happier for you. 
To receive a copy of Pastor's free book, you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of the book to be mailed to you, or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. While online, you can purchase a copy of today's message, God's Desires, in the WBF store. You can also download Pastor's notes that go with this message under the On Demand page. Walking by Faith is used across the globe to spread the truth that changes lives on and off the air. To partner with us financially in this great commission, go to walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. If God is using Walking by Faith to change your life, we'd love to hear about it. You can connect with us on Facebook or send an email to your story at walkingbyfaith.tv. Tune in next week when we begin our next series, Thanksgiving and Praise.